I'm Jorge Salazar, reporting from the Texas Advanced Computing Center, part of the University of Texas at Austin. The SC14 Supercomputing Conference takes place this year in the city of New Orleans, November 16th through 21st. Scientists, engineers, educators, students, IT professionals, and industry meet at SC14 to share the latest in high-performance computing, networking, storage, and analysis. Thomas Sterling spoke in a couple of panels at SE14 that looked at the promises and pitfalls on the path to developing exascale supercomputers, the next generation of the world's fastest computers. Dr. Sterling is the Executive Associate Director and Chief Scientist at the Center for Research in Extreme Scale Technologies at Indiana University, Bloomington. He's won the Gordon Bell Prize for Innovations in High-Performance Computing, and he laid the foundation for the current paradigm of supercomputers by co-developing the Beowulf cluster of commodity Linux cluster computing. Sterling's latest project is the Parallax execution model, being tested in part on Exceed resources here at TAC with the Stampede supercomputer. Here is Thomas Sterling. Dr. Sterling, thank you for speaking with us today. Well, my pleasure. Now, the theme of the SC14 conference is HPC Matters. Why does high-performance computing matter to you, and also why should it matter to anyone else? Yes, well, I'm biased, but I think that high-performance computing is central to the vast array of present and future accomplishments in science and technology. I also see it as the enabling means by which future computing aspirations such as knowledge, understanding, and ultimately machine intelligence will also be realized. So for me personally, high-performance computing is the enabling technology methodology means to achieve many of what will be the accomplishments of the 21st century. Intelligent computing, this is something that uh, has really captured the imagination of a lot of people. Well, I think there's a tremendous amount of interesting work in terms of what's referred to as machine learning. It's a somewhat incorrect phrase because the machine doesn't actually understand anything that it learns. But it does help people to see patterns and trends uh, within data that would otherwise escape us and allow us to manage the massive amount, the extraordinary growth of information that we're having to deal with. So things like Watson, that was kind of cool, wasn't it? Um, But it's not to oversimplify, but it's largely a statistical modeling methodology that works within a very sophisticated and complex uh, multidimensional space. Ultimately, machine intelligence, some refer to it as artificial intelligence. I don't like that term for obvious reasons. But machine intelligence uh, will implement a representation schema that embodies uh, the true fundamental principles of knowledge, whatever that may be. I certainly don't know what it is, but we do experience it. Some kind of foundational semantics upon which all other semantics may be derived is one possible approach to that. Machine intelligence on a good day would allow us to take the person out of the loop in many processes, design processes, um, control processes, and so on, and rapidly expand the rate at which accomplishment may be achieved. Um, Of course, there are always the, the darker perspectives as to what the implications may be. And those are justifiable and concerns and should be taken into consideration. 
when future such systems are devised as underlying uh, irrefutable axioms that uh, machines cannot transgress over. I have the perhaps naive view that machines and humans will find ways of partnering effectively uh, when we are able to accomplish this notion of intelligence that will not happen without high-performance computing, nor will it happen with a class of machines that historically have been focused principally on matrices and arrays and vectors, but rather on machines that are focused on graphs, complex, dynamic, adaptive graphs of diversity of forms. And so we're talking about a new form of computation that uh, perhaps new architectures will expedite and at scales that we have yet to achieve, but hopefully we'll do so in the near future, at least within the next decade. You know, I'd like to talk about the near future with you. Um, I do want to dial back to the past a little bit and talk about your past. Um, you're known as the, <laughs> you're known to us, as the father of Beowulf in the mid-1990s, developing along with Donald Becker of NASA, a cluster of inexpensive computers that has been emulated as the dominant model for high-performance parallel computing to this day. What would you say are the biggest changes supercomputers have made since Beowulf? Well, the uh, premise of Beowulf was that there was a perceived opportunity that turned out to be correct, that uh, we could harness uh, the economy of scale of mass production and implement systems that would, we thought, augment conventional or mainstream supercomputers by providing lower cost means of achieving at least throughput computing. That has certainly occurred. What we did not anticipate, and what I think has been the biggest change, is that for certainly most of high-end computing, commodity clusters, Linux clusters, PC clusters, yes, Beowulf clusters, have replaced high-end computing, more tightly coupled systems. I don't necessarily see that as a good thing. But the good thing has been that in so doing, it has vastly improved the accessibility to high-performance computing on a much greater scale, far more different uh, classes of people, students, professors, small industry, businesses, have been able to use a level of throughput computing that would not have otherwise been available or feasible, nor in as diverse a number of forms. That's one major impact that's resulted since the uh, inauguration of the experiments that were, were Beowulf computing. The second is that... Uh, I once uh, got in trouble for uh, the following quote, Beowulfs are dead. And what I meant by that was it's no longer necessary to try to make do with what's available. Uh, industry, the vendors, have recognized the value of clustering uh, with x86, independent of the specific supplier of that, or possibly other, other uh, microprocessor architectures, and have, have optimized their packaging, their power, their cooling, around the ability to cluster. So we no longer have to make do with what happens to be available. The community as a whole now designs around the concept of clustering. So that's the second significant importance. And I would guess the third is that clusters like mainstream massively parallel processors are capable platforms even in the heterogeneous domain. Uh, allowing through uh, industry standard buses such as PCI, 
E, such uh, accelerators as the Mike-based or Xeon Phi or, um, of course, uh, the NVIDIA GPUs to be integrated in the near term as well. So to first approximation, clusters, commodity clusters are now mainstream and have greatly expanded our ability to do computing. And in many cases, uh, thanks to the work of others on such um, programming interface standards as MPI, we're able to run the same codes, not necessarily a quite the same performance on a per node basis, but the same codes as the large uh, MPPs as well. So I would say that those are the, uh, the major changes. I'm particularly excited when I see students from college or high schools even who engage in Beowulf cluster competitions both within the U.S. and internationally and see the excitement and the fervor, the intellectual challenge that they undertake for that. Uh, we didn't anticipate anything like that, and so I wouldn't take credit for it. I just uh, take pleasure in watching it happen. Yeah, that's a big part of the SC14 is the uh, student cluster competitions. Uh, yes, uh, that's right. And also at the International Supercomputing Conference held in Germany uh, every summer. Would you give us a description of your latest ongoing project, the Parallax execution model that's being tested in part on Exceed resources here at TAC with the Stampede supercomputer? Um, what is Parallax and what's the status of the project? Parallax, uh, let me first be clear to your listeners, is a controversial path. It is in pursuit of a new model of computation, a new execution model, to provide capabilities that are not currently available with the standard, uh, more static models that have been very successful over the last two to three decades. The uh, purpose of the Parallax execution model is to provide a cross-cutting uh, specification of an abstract machine that allows you to co-design and interoperate the different layers from programming models all the way down to architectures and the system software in between, including, and in particular, the uh, inauguration of the importance of runtime systems. Uh, Parallax leverages many ideas and research pursuits that have gone on, some of them as much as 30 years ago. We'd like to believe there's some innovation in the synthesis and in some of the subtle functionality of the Parallax semantics. But there's a great deal of prior art. And so, uh, in a way, we're performing a service to the community uh, and discovering a path rather than inventing it. So we, we're careful not to take too much credit. Parallax allows us to define a programming model in combination with the runtime system, uh, with an interface through the compiler, and also make strong suggestions as to how future architectures may change. Change to address the challenges of starvation, latency, overhead, and contention, and change in a way that will dramatically improve efficiencies, which are very poor on mainstream problems, and scalability, which has to increase by at least two orders of magnitude to reach community goals in the next decade. So Parallax is an abstraction and may be difficult to get your hands around, but it is a direct tool, or perhaps an intellectual tool, but a direct tool to guide and govern future computing machines. If, in fact, those challenges that I mentioned and the changes uh, are really needed, there is controversy about that. Would you mind articulating that controversy? Like, what's the problem? Well, for very good reasons. There are many good people, very good people, who feel that 
without taking incremental advances from conventional practices. They cannot have confidence in a future and unproven model, and that's a correct claim, by the way, it is unproven. And they uh, are fearful that it will be disruptive, both in terms of technology uh, development, uh, companies such as Intel or AMD, uh, or IBM for that matter, uh, as well as from end users, such as the national labs from DOE and the centers at NASA and so forth. And there is real and justifiable fear that um, this disruption would preclude the advance of the field instead of helping it as it's intended. And I, uh, I understand that. And I further believe that the actual answer well, you mentioned Beowulf. So the answer in supercomputing over the last decade has not been MPPs or Beowulf. It's been both. About 80% of the machines have been uh, commodity clusters, and the other 20% have been more custom machines. And I expect that we will have future computing abstractions that the communicating sequential processes or the hybrid models, uh, programming models, such as MPI combined with OpenMP, will serve the community to the foreseeable future for many of the existing and perhaps some of the near-term problems. But that there, because there is more and more problems that are failing to scale as the machines themselves are scale, and we're now talking about millions of processor cores, there are an increasing number of problems, especially strong scale problems, that uh, are simply unable to move to those uh, capacities of processing. And therefore, Moore's Law is dead for them. And we have to find a different paradigm. As we have done several times before in the past, we have to have a different paradigm that will allow those problems, too, to benefit from the, from the technology advances as Moore's Law comes to an end, as we move out onto the anvil towards the nanoscale. And so that's where the controversy is. I recognize and, and I embrace that controversy because I think the answer is a balance. But to avoid innovation is very, very dangerous in my view. And uh, this is one possible path towards a disciplined approach to significant innovation. It's hard to imagine Moore's Law being dead as we're, it's almost like we're surfing the wave right now. Um, you know, supercomputers today, we're in the era of the petascale on the order of a thousand trillion floating point operations per second. Uh, the Stampede supercomputer here at TAC can hit roughly 10 petaflops with the help of the accelerators, as you mentioned. Um, and that's the computing power of about 130,000 iPhone 5s. Right now you're working on systems, you're mapping out the systems that can reach the exascale um, going a thousand times beyond where we are right now. What are your thoughts on how to get to that exascale and some of the hazards um, that you've pointed out that can be avoided? Yes, well, as I correctly stated, an advanced model of computation uh, has not been proven in a way that an industry can immediately or quickly embrace. Uh, and I think that that caution is justified. A major step in that direction is the implementation of the runtime systems that provide the kind of, again, dynamic adaptive mechanisms needed to interface between the hardware and the low-level operating systems and uh, future classes of application algorithms. And so with a uh, programming interface presented by the runtime system or with an intermediate form, we have one such called XPI, the uh, ability to run future generation applications is now being made available. It also allows us to quantify, and this is key, 
to quantify the uh, advantages that one gets through taking such dynamic uh, methods in managing the resources and scheduling the tasks. At the same time, finding out where the boundary conditions are in terms of the underlying overheads that limit the granularity of parallelism in the sense of fine-grained parallelism that we can exploit without the overheads dominating. So the necessary step is to implement systems that reflect this execution model, benefit from that for certain applications, not by any means all applications, and determine the limiting conditions that then have to be addressed by future hardware architectures. This will probably require an innovative merger of the what has been three separate elements, the network, the processing cores, and the memory systems, and that these will be merged into a, a single compound or, or hybrid class of element for the future, removing much of the overhead and latencies that we currently experience today. And that's the path that I imagine. Uh, this path is certainly being supported by the National Science Foundation, the Department of Energy, uh, as well as the Department of Defense for some of the experimental work. Uh, I, I want to emphasize that I'm not uh, proffering a solution to the problem, only a research path to explore possible solutions to the problem. I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your motivations to, to get into this world of computing. Was there a person or was there an event that opened your eyes to, um, to computing? You know, when I was young, computing was fun. Uh, you could play with logic gates on uh, chips, and you could wire them up anyway, and there was a tremendous sense or thrill to making things work. Uh, when I entered uh, graduate school at MIT back in the 70s, uh, I uh, had the opportunity to work uh, in all strange places at their power lab. Uh, you would think that would not be the place to inspire one's career in computer science. Uh, but what they did was they presented with a challenge that is the simulation of electronic circuits, uh, power electronic circuits to be specific. And it was the imagination of my advisor, John Kosakian at that time, that perhaps a collection of microprocessors might be able to work together uh, towards that simulation. Once John had set me on the question of of parallel computing, as it now, of course, is called, at a very early stage and allowed me to take the time to think through the problems. I never looked back, and I've been very fortunate to have a 30-plus year career in parallel systems and parallel computing. And that has been the centerpiece of my uh, research uh, ever since, though I have been led from the low-level problems of how you glue chips together uh, to, well, today, the high-level problems of what is the actual paradigm that should guide the connection of those chips and the rest of the software that goes on top of it, including future algorithms for parallel problems. Well, Dr. Sterling, this is my final question. Thanks so much. Um, what's the most important thing you want people listening today to know about supercomputers? Uh, the theme of the conference says it all. Supercomputer matters. Uh, supercomputing is not easy for the public to grasp, though they deal with it on a daily basis through search engines and other cloud-like media. But um, the future of supercomputing depends on fundamental innovations that have to, as in the past, have to be created, explored, and used to move the field forward. If we stagnate now with the slowly uh, converging end of Moore's law and become a saturated field in terms of performance, as other disciplines have, such as the transportation industry, 
then we will have precluded the opportunity to advance other fields like climate modeling and energy control fusion, uh, biology, and so forth. Supercomputing is an enabling and an empowering field, and those fields will be limited if supercomputing is limited. So the message should be, as always before, we should be pushing forward in innovations and addressing challenges. And I really think that's the concept and the theme for this year's supercomputing conference, and it's certainly my view of the field as a whole. You've been listening to Thomas Sterling of the Center for Research in Extreme Scale Technologies at Indiana University, Bloomington. For the Texas Advanced Computing Center, I'm Jorge Salazar.